Happy Mother's Day to all of you ladies. And if there's dancing like that going on today, just send the video in. We'll make sure it gets out, all right? So we hope it's a special day for, for everybody. And uh, go ahead and turn to uh, Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is where we're going to be this morning as we really have a message uh, directed to you moms from the Word of God and, and from the pastor's heart this morning. And, and dads, it's got some application as well. Men, it has application as well. But this is a, a wonderful a song of redemption. This is a wonderful song that some believe that David wrote after the account of what we looked at last week. And if you weren't here last week, we have been walking through a series against all odds and have been spending a couple of weeks in the life of David. And one chapter of his life that was a particularly difficult chapter was when he was caught in adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. But he confessed his sin and really uh, God restored him as we uh, learned last week. But this psalm has incredible power in it because what it speaks to is God's action for those in great, great need. And so in our reading plan this past week, we read this psalm. And so I thought it might be good for us to go ahead and begin our time this morning in the Word of God with this incredible psalm. So Carolyn Freshour is going to come read this psalm this morning. Will you please stand for the reading of the Word? Carolyn is a wonderful, wonderful member here at Taylor's. Her and Larry have been here for a while. And Carolyn, happy Mother's Day to you, but has an incredible heart for the gospel to get out and really leads the way with so many of our mission efforts. And we're just so grateful for her and Larry and their ministry. But she is here this morning to read the word of God for us. Carolyn, please go right ahead. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Thank you, Caroline. You may be seated. And may the Lord bless the reading and the teaching of his word this morning. What incredible actions of God on our behalf. He forgives and he heals. He redeems. He crowns. He satisfies. And he renews. And so David, as he writes this song, there's a point in his life where he has seen God work mightily on his behalf. But it could be just as much applied to the other main character in the story that we looked at last week, Bathsheba. If you're new to Bible study or just not familiar with this story at all, Bathsheba is an individual who is linked with David in his sin. But we rarely see what God does through her at the end of the story. And so this morning, here is what I want to do. I want to take a look at this woman named Bathsheba from the different pictures that we see in Scripture, from 2 Samuel and from 1 Kings. And then finally, as Matthew mentions her in the genealogy of Jesus from Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to look at Bathsheba this morning, where God 
moves her and God's actions on her behalf. Now, I know what you're thinking. I have never, Pastor, heard a message on Bathsheba on Mother's Day before. And we know why, don't we? We know why. Because she is the one who was caught in adultery. She was the one who uh, gave birth to a child, but because of God's correction, in this particular instance, she lost that child. She is the one who is marked forever by her name with adultery. In fact, in 1993, I read this week, in 1993, there was two writers who were writing for the Journal on Business Ethics, and they were writing about the fall of leaders. And when it comes to leaders falling to sexual temptation or immorality of a sexual nature, they coined a phrase. They called it the Bathsheba syndrome. So this is what is attached to her name. But what we really understand from the Scriptures is this, that that God has mercy and grace for humble, broken, needy people. This is the story of the gospel. And what we don't want to do is look at her behavior, her ethical behavior, and elevate that. But instead, we want to look beyond that and look at God's mercy and grace and forgiveness and action on her behalf and what he does with a broken woman this morning. Now, she is obviously broken when we see her in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 12. For instance, she probably feels incredibly vulnerable powerless because a powerful king asked her to come over to the palace and there he had sexual relations with her, she probably feels incredibly violated and vulnerable. When the king back in those days said, you come, you come and lie with me, you don't resist the king. I mean, this is the man who already has multiple wives. This is the man who, at his word, can declare you to be executed. She feels vulnerable. And let me say this this morning. I just so I was going through even last week's sermon and then again this week, and I felt, feel compelled to say this. As a church, we need to be mindful of our testimony when it comes to the respect of women. Because over the last few months, whether it's a TV personality, whether it's a movie producer, whether it is a business executive, whether it's a politician or whether it's a pastor of a church, we have seen exposed right before our eyes in many, many different ways men who have positions of great power take advantage of women who are vulnerable. And it's wrong. And our cues come from Jesus. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, he is our lead in this. Because when Jesus came, here is what he did. When Jesus came, he blew everybody's minds with the way in which he treated women. He moved them through his love and through his compassion and through his respect and through his desire that they become part of the kingdom's advancement. He elevated them to positions never seen before. 
It does not change what the scriptures teach about the roles of men and women and leadership and submission and the church and the home. But what we're talking about here is a love for, a respect, a value that comes from the church of Jesus Christ in following its leaders to say every single woman is worthy of honor and respect because they are made in the image of God. That is, our, that is what a church should do. This is, a, this is a church after the heart of Christ. But she was vulnerable. She maybe felt ashamed because of her pregnancy. Because she became pregnant by the king. She was grieved, no doubt, because the husband that she loved was sent into war and into a place where he was murdered. And we don't know if she knew the full story, if she ever did, but here is a woman who was married, and now her husband is gone. Now she's pregnant due to adultery, and now the child is gone. Can you imagine the grief that this woman is going through? Can you imagine this sense of uncertainty, this, this sense of fear, this sense of not knowing what is going to happen in the future as she joins this, this many, many this family with many, many wives, she doesn't know where her future is going or, or, or what is going to happen, and it's full of regret. Let's not, let's not forget that she is an adult, that she very well could have said to the king, I can't do this, king, for fear of her life. Think of all the emotions that this woman is going through at her time of need. And so now, ladies, think of your emotions in your time of need, where you are this morning. I know no, no, one is in, no one is in a position like this. I understand that. But some of you, the emotions that you're feeling this morning of grief and of shame and of guilt and of regret, of anxiety and worry, no matter where you are in your womanhood, no matter whether you're single or whether you're married, you're married with children or without children, you're looking back on your life at a, a point where you have these feelings of, oh, I wish I would have done more, I could have done more, no matter where you are as a woman this morning, you might be saying, you know what, I'm not in the exact same position as Bathsheba, but this is what I feel this morning, and here is what I want to communicate from the Word of God this morning, is that God hears and knows exactly where you are. Mother's Day is a tough day for some ladies. I put on my Twitter account, I, I put this incredible article about how Mother's Day is a difficult day for some ladies because you long to have children and you can't, and you see these beautiful children up there and your heart just grieves. You've suffered miscarriages. Some of you have lost your moms. Some of you men and women, you, you're hurting this morning because the lunch will be different in a few hours because of the loss. So how does God respond to this woman in great, great need? How does he respond to you? A couple of things from our text this morning. Number one, he redeems from sin and loss. 
He redeems from sin and loss. If you want to turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 12 really quickly, I just want to show you two verses because, again, this text and the text in 1 Kings and the text over in Matthew, there's not a whole lot of text here to try and put a picture of how God responds to Bathsheba, but we have some really, really concrete clues here. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, after the baby dies, here is Bathsheba, now one of the wives of David, and it says this, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Look at this next phrase. And the Lord loved him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. So originally, David and Bathsheba said his name's going to be Solomon. But then Nathan says, hey, hold it a second. The Lord really loves this boy. Such a sweet, sweet passage. We don't see this often. I don't believe God plays favorites, but he decides to express his heart to David and Bathsheba. I believe it is a heart in which there has been confession and there has been honesty before the Lord. And the Lord pours out, you see, his heart of compassion for this woman and for this man. And he gives him a son. And the Lord loves him so much, he sends Nathan in to say, his name is Jedidiah, which means beloved of God. The Lord, beloved of the Lord. And so you see this incredible, restorative, compassionate heart of God to redeem from those who confess their sin and from those who have suffered loss. And here is how God does it. God does it through His Son. Because when you read this passage, beloved of the Lord, when I read that, my, th my thoughts immediately went to another son that was beloved of the Lord. And that is when God sent his son Jesus to earth and Jesus comes to be baptized. And in the Gospels, here's what it says. When Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water and then God thunders down from heaven, speaks down from heaven. This is my what? Beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And here's what God knows. He sent him, not just to show off, but he sent him to die for your sins and my sins so that we could be redeemed from our sins and from our loss. This is why he came, the beloved son. And so here is what I want you mothers to understand this morning. You wives Women, no matter where you are, your identity is not in your sin. Your identity is not in the loss of whatever is valuable to you. I don't, I don't care if you're single. I don't know if you're married. I don't, I don't care if you're, sing, if you're married and you have a career. You're married. You're at home. You're in the middle of the throes of little ones or teenagers, middle age. You're at the end of your life. The kids are gone. Now you're in the grandparenting stage. Ladies, listen to me. Here's the danger that your identity will be like Bathsheba in that sin. Or your identity will be in the family and what the family looks like and what the family produces. Or your identity will be in your circumstances, that I'm not married and I want to be married. Or your identity will be in the things that have gone on in the past that hold you back. 
Maybe some of you ladies this morning listening to me have had an abortion before. Listen to me. Your identity is not there. Your identity is found in one thing, and that is the love of Jesus and the love of Almighty God who said, I see you in your loss. I see you caught and trapped in your sin. I see you, and I'm sending a son who is beloved. And it's not Solomon. It's the greater Solomon, the one whom I love so much that I'm going to give him up because I love you that much too. And your identity, ladies, is not wrapped up in your family or in your circumstances. I want you to see that your identity is in the love of Christ. And listen, your family members will long to help you feel, to fill in the loss, will long to please you, will long to honor you. And this, mor- this morning and this afternoon, your heart will, I pray, will soak in the, in the goodness and the gratitude of your family as they try and, and fill your heart with those things. You know, yesterday as, as a dad, we, we got in the car and we were going all over town trying to make sure we got the right gifts for Sheree. We even took her out as well and she was able to pick out some things and, and and so finally, I, I go home and I put my feet up and I'm watching the golf tournament. My daughter leans over. She's the most responsible one in our whole house. She's 16. She leans over and she says, hey, Dad, we forgot one gift. I said, really? Oh, yeah, okay, what did we forget? And she said, um, she said, you know how Mom has the big rollers that she puts in her hair? The dog has eaten some of the rollers. And she mentioned a couple of days ago that she needed some rollers. So, Dad, we got to go get rollers. I was like, where in the world am I going to get rollers? Oh, Dad, they got to be the big rollers. They can't be the medium-sized rollers. They got to be the big rollers. So we went to several stores. We go online. I finally found them. I was on my way to an appointment. And you know what? We were able to present to Sheree today um, these rollers. Nothing says, Sheree, I love you. You are worth all motherhood, like big navy blue rollers from Sally's Beauty Supply on Wade Hampton Boulevard. <laughs> Nothing says love like that, right? <laughs> But here's the thing. This is what we do as moms, as wives, as women. You're longing to fill it up. And this morning, listen to me, exchange whatever it is you long for with the love of God who said, I long to redeem your loss and your sin. There is no greater love than that. Rest in that this morning. Number two, God established a platform of kingdom influence. Establish a platform of kingdom influence. We don't have time to turn there and go through the whole passage, but you're reading this week. We're going to move into uh, 1 Kings. And in 1 Kings chapter 1, it's not in our reading, but I want to tell you the story real quick. It's a wonderful story if you have time to read it maybe today or, or sometime this week. Here's what's happening. David is an old man now. We fast forward. David is, a, is an old man, and he's about to give up the throne. And his fourth son named Adonijah, his fourth son is, is conspiring to take the throne from David. Now, here, here, here's the other thing you need to know. David hasn't been very clear about who's going to take the throne. And so Adonijah, his fourth son, the other three sons have died. His fourth son grabs Joab, his general, grabs uh, the priest, 
grab some military leaders, take some folks out outside Jerusalem, sets up a huge feast. And what is he doing? He's setting himself up as king. And he has all these leaders together, and they're chanting, long live Adonijah. And Nathan the prophet, remember Nathan? Nathan the prophet hears it, and God directs him to Bathsheba. And he goes to Bathsheba. And we don't know how old she is now. But Nathan comes to her and says, Bathsheba, don't you remember that, that David promised the throne to Solomon? God has affirmed this. He is to be the next king. But Adonijah has planted himself as king. So here's what you need to do. You need to go into David. And you need to, to bow down before him. You need to explain this to him because only you can do this. That's what she does. She goes marching into the king. She bows down before him and she says, David, you don't hear them, but they're down there and they're having this feast. And that is not who you promised. King, would you please anoint Solomon as the king? Nathan comes in right behind her. And David says, you're right. Solomon will be king. Do you understand what she's just done? <laughs> With this situation right in front of her, she has changed the trajectory of the kingdom. The kingdom is going this way. But in one listening, obedient, faithful, humble moment, only what she can do, she changes the course of the kingdom. I think it's absolutely amazing. And ladies, here's where some of you, this morning you come in, and you're doing everything you can, and you're doing your best, and you're doing well, I'm sure. Whether, again, you're, you have a career, whether you have a family, no matter where you are. But here, here's the danger for ladies this morning. And that is you're going to create a platform for you and your, and your family. And you're going to construct it around who you are for your own purposes. You're, you're going to build that family around you. You're going to build the, the construct of, of what you want to see your family accomplish and what the kids should be like and, 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 and after the kids are gone, what your career should be. And here's the danger is that you individually desire to have a family that looks like this. And then what happens is you begin the comparison game. And social media has really, really put a lot of pressure on your moms has put a lot of pressure on you ladies, no matter where you are. And social media says, this is the construct of what you should do as a mom or as a grandma or as a, as a single career woman, whatever it is. Social media puts this pressure and kind of elevates that. And so now, here is this comparison game that you're trying to compare you and your families to everybody else because inside you're trying to construct this around you instead of letting God direct how he wants you to influence the kingdom. And we get lost in that. So I read this article this past week from a, from a woman who, who wrote this incredible piece in response to the New York, a New York Post piece. And it was titled this, Modern Moms Looking for Perfection in All the Wrong Places. 
And it talks about how modern moms nowadays have all this pressure for the kids to look this way and for them to do this. And if they don't do this, or then, then they're going to be compared. And there's just this constant sense of being weighed down either by the comparisons with other people or this prideful sense of this is what I do. Listen to what she says. It is true that social media takes this natural inclination to comparison to a whole new level. Not only do we see the birthday parties of our children's friends when we attend, but now online we see those of our high school's high school acquaintances, children whom we never met. We see images of report cards and sports trophies and ballet costumes and Lego creations and science projects. Here it is. And then we compare. Either we're not doing enough or we're patting ourselves on the back for doing more. Here's what I would encourage you ladies to do this morning. Is to rest in the contentment of a sovereign God who has put you in the season you're in right now. Who has put you in the stage of life you're in right now. Who has given you gifts and abilities and skills and talents and a heart He has wired you in such a way for you, for you to have kingdom influence through the home or through the workplace or wherever it might be. He has wired you uniquely. And go ahead and embrace what God has done and forget the comparison game. Forget the game which says, I have to look and feel and be this. Be everything God has created you to be for the sake of the kingdom. Last thing this morning is this. God provided a legacy that leads to Jesus. Where do you get this, Pastor? Well, Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. It really is just a record. It's just a genealogy, if you will, of of fathers that pass down their lineage from one generation to the next generation to the next generations, but it's the genealogy of Jesus. And so it begins, this is the genealogy of, of Jesus, the Christ, the son, of, the son of David and the son of Abraham. And the reason Matthew wants to give you the genealogy is to point back at God's story that he was writing all the way back to Abraham. How that Abraham and from him would come this nation and from this nation would come the kings and from the kings would come the Messiah. And so what Matthew, who's Jewish, is writing to individuals who are are probably Jewish readers as well, he's reminding them, hey, listen, God's plan, God's story goes way, way back. And I want to show you where Jesus comes from. But here's what he does. He includes four women other than Mary in the genealogy. He includes a woman named Tamar. Tamar is a foreigner, is a foreigner who is wrapped up in this ugly, ugly story back in Genesis, an ugly story that results uh, in a child from incest, but yet God still puts her in the genealogy as part of Jesus' story. There's Rahab. She's a prostitute from Jericho. The city, as the children of Israel go into Jericho, it's the very first enemies that they'll confront. 
And this woman, this prostitute, hides the spies. But she has great faith in God. And, and she cries out to the, to the Israelite, to the Jews for help. And they said, we'll spare you. But she's also listed in the family line of Jesus, this prostitute. Ruth is this great, great story of a woman who is a faithful, faithful follower of Naomi, her mother-in-law. But yet she's from Moab, which is kind of denigrated as this sexually impure people group by the Jews, at least in the, in the early days. So here is a Moabite showing up in the genealogy of Jesus. But then here comes the wife of Uriah in the line of Jesus. Now you might think, what's the big deal? Some ladies mentioned in there. It's a big deal. Here's why. Because when Matthew writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that these women are in there, here's what he's saying. Number one, these women are elevated up to a new, new level above, these other, above all other women. But also because God sees broken, sinful, fallen women who have lost much. He sees them in their need, and because of God's amazing mercy and grace, He still uses them. He still loves them. In fact, Jesus is Lord over all women, not just the good women. Jesus is Lord over all men, just not the good ones. And that's the story of the gospel. That God so loved you and me that he sent his only son, his beloved son, to die on a cross so that we might enter into this family. And when we see Bathsheba, here is what God sees. He just doesn't see her hurt and her isolation and her shame and vulnerability and guilt and regret. He sees the longer story. He sees the larger story that she doesn't see. All she knows how to do is to cry out to God in her brokenness. All she knows how to do is wait on the mercy of God and to be faithful. That's all she knows how to do. And little does she know that when she is faithful in the struggle and in the strain and in the hurt and in the disappointment, and when she is faithful there, God, by his incredible, sovereign hand, is writing a story of a legacy that points all the way to Jesus. And so it is with you. Ladies, listen, listen. I encourage you, no matter where you are, it is hard. You're, you're where these, these parents are right here, and they're changing diapers at 3 a.m. in the morning, and some of you smile and laugh, but where will you be at 3 a.m. in the morning when they're up changing diapers, right? It's hard. It's struggle. Hey, those kids get older. They bring the emotional weight and the burden and the worry, the, the anxiety, those kids grow up and, and leave the house and you're still concerned about them and it goes on and on from season to season to season to season. And every season brings its challenges and its hardships and its struggle and its strain. But here is what God wants you to see this morning. Psalm 103, the one who forgives and heals and redeems and renews and satisfies and crowns you with good things. Here is what that God wants 
wants you to see in your faithfulness today, in your faithfulness in the struggle and the strain and the hurt, in your humble obedience today, God is writing a story that you cannot see. And it's this incredible story that points to Jesus. So this morning, ladies, oh, I encourage you, open up your heart. Here is your Mother's Day to-do list, other than putting your feet up and not doing the dishes, all right? To open up your heart and exchange your sin or your loss for the love of God. Open up your heart and exchange your desire to build your kingdom influence and your family influence your way and say, God, what have you put in front of me today? And to exchange a short-sighted struggle, discouragement of, of now, exchange it for the sovereign hand of God who works all things for his good and for, for your good and for his glory as a point, as your faithfulness today is part of the story that points to Jesus. Will you pray with me now? Father, would you walk with every mom who is here this morning and every woman and every, every woman who is not married and those who are, those who desire to be married, those who are divorced, those who are right in the middle of motherhood, those it's gone by and they wish it were still here. couple who longs to have children and they can't. Lord, would you take every mom here and their followers of you, would you fill their hearts with the love that you have for them, so much so that your beloved, you would sacrifice him for their heart. Father, I pray for all people that they would understand this love in a greater way. Maybe they don't, they can't call you Father. They know you as God. They can't call you Father. Would you open up hearts today to this incredible good news that God gives mercy and grace and forgiveness through the Son and through our humble approach to you, which says, I'm a sinner. I long for a Savior. May that be the prayer of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl here seated or watching online. And by your Holy Spirit, would you give new birth and new life? Father, thank you for our time. Thank you for Bathsheba. Thank you for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.